Welcome to the Wellness Champions Network podcast. I'm Sarah McGuinness. The Wellness Champions Network is a group of leaders from around New Zealand who are passionate about creating workplaces that thrive. We catch up on a regular basis to share our knowledge and learn from others on how to enable people to work well and live well. In this podcast, we reflect on changing attitudes to mental health with New Zealand Rugby's Education and Wellbeing Manager, Dr Nathan Price. Over the last two and a half years, New Zealand Rugby has delivered a remarkable campaign aimed at reducing the stigma around mental health. The campaign began in 2017 with the launch of the Head First website and has quickly developed into a comprehensive campaign that supports mental health and mental fitness across schools, rugby clubs and the wider community. Head First has been as much a cultural change project as it has been one that encourages people to take care, ask for help and support others. In this interview, Nathan reflects on the Head First journey and shares some of the critical factors of success, many of which could be applied to any workplace. He also provides an insight into the A Moment Against Silence campaign and he shares what's ahead for 2020. Kia ora everyone and, and thanks for having me along and um, yeah, really great to be part of this, this catch up, this amazing group, so it's, it's pretty cool. So what started it, I, I guess I had been, as you mentioned, um, Sarah, I'd been in, working in Australia for sort of over, over a decade in high performance sport and some of the big sport organisations there were really starting to do some work in the mental health space and there have been a number of instances where um, high-profile athletes were taking a break from the sport um, based on, on their mental well-being. Um, and then I came, came back to New Zealand, um, originally from New Zealand, and came back and, and got this job into rugby. And there was probably a bit of a gap there where we sort of looked, we could probably do something similar to what, say, AFL or rugby league or, or the likes were doing over there. Um, and we could really make an impact. And it started off being thinking about, okay, what about our our immediate community, which is our contracted players and contracted coaches and those sorts of things, and sort of an acknowledgement that you know we work in that space uh, with a really high risk group, which is uh, primarily male. So about in the low eighty percent of of our players are, are male. Um, high majority of them are under twenty five, and majority of them are from a Maori or Pacifica background and then you throw in the the challenges of a, a very structured rigid high pressure and, and a performance environment and you have um pretty much take much of the boxes for that for that high risk group so it was an opportunity for us to start um making difference there um and i guess the the reality is is there's a there's a huge risk as well if we if we don't do anything um which is you know Interesting, I think we have a, an obligation to be a meaningful part of that conversation and provide the people we employ with, with that support. Um, but then very quickly, I think it just sort of morphed into, actually, well, if we're going to do a thing here, what, what can we do and use our leverage and our, sort of our bandwidth, I suppose, and pull the levers that we've got in the community of New Zealand and try to reach a larger base? And so um, that's effectively kind of what we did. So um, about three years ago, I employed a... Um, a mental health nurse who'd been working in community mental health and was keen to get her involved and sort of together we just sort of sat down and really started nutting out what a program or, or a, um, in this case, what an initial website might look like. So we um, 
launched the HeadFirst website in March 2017 with the idea that it'd be a little bit of a, a one-stop shop in a sense, and it's not maybe the right word, but for mental health, well-being and mental fitness with a real angle around rugby. Um, and all the information is the same as you might find on other places, but we, we really use rugby as the vehicle to, to get that um, get people interested or start that conversation. Um, and, you know, so we work with a few organisations like Health Promotion Agency, uh, Mental Health Foundation, Navarra, et cetera, and, and really got this evidence-based website with a few people who will talk about shortly who helped us um, role model or, or we were ambassadors for the program. Um, and so that's really where it started. And uh, then it's sort of just grown over the last two years to now where we are, which is, is out in schools, out in community clubs, out in our rugby environment and, and our broader sport environment, delivering workshops, um, running lots of campaigns around social and you know around social media and, and beyond um, about talking to each other, looking after your mates, how to have a conversation and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so we're just... That's sort of how it evolved or came about. And then we're sort of down to this point where we're like, us has got pretty big pretty quick. Um, so, yeah, here we are. That's amazing. And I imagine, I mean, it's fantastic to see this, the success over the last, you know, few years and how that's grown. I'm interested when you first launched it, was it difficult to launch? Was there a real hesitation to talk about mental health? Um, no, I would, yes and no. Like, there's two different ways. So when we um, I had to go sort of cap in hand to our our executive and board here to effectively ask for some money to do this because it's it's not really core and never has really been core business of a national sport organization to um to launch into the mental health and well-being space and so i was really um i was probably a bit nervous about that you know new zealand rugby's goals have always been to win pinnacle events um but they have also had the the vision to inspire and unify and so sort of look at that lever and say well actually shouldn't we be doing something here and they were um, amazingly supportive, um, got a small amount of money to start with um, to get us up and running. And then we were kind of away. The hardest thing, in a sense, was we, we knew we needed or we, we felt we wanted some high-profile rugby players to help us hook in and, and get that conversation started. And that was actually quite hard um, to get uh, players who are reasonably high-profile to say, yep, I'm either oh, can't, he's struggling or experiencing or if, yes I've had lived experience um, uh, with, with whatever it might, might have been that they've gone through and so we had to sort of convince some people that this was going to be a safe space. The, the issue was of course you get a few people and, and when you have something like rugby and the media that comes with that is the media you know kind of like whoa all right let's jump on this person and and you've you know you've just disclosed that you have an experience of anxiety, for example, and they suddenly become and there's a little bit fearful about that about being a, a, a spokesperson for mental health and well-being when they're not really trying to do that. But what they would like to do is use their voice or their experiences to help others understand that they're not alone and, and this is what worked for them and this is just their journey kind of thing. So that was the hard part, and we got a couple which we we're incredibly grateful for. So you know, for example, like Kevin Mialamu. He's played 133 tests for the All Blacks, and Nehi Malaskara, who was really the star of the 2015 World Cup. Um, but then once we sort of started going, it was, yeah, people really were like, this is great. Like, I'm, I'm glad you guys are talking about us. Um, and, you know, rugby's still maybe not entirely ready for some of the conversations we're having. And some rugby clubs maybe still aren't quite there yet. But some are, and some are really keen to, 
to shift, to understand, to learn. So we've been, yeah, we've been really encouraged by how it's sort of been received in rugby. And I mean, early days, right? It's, it's well, we're two and a half years into this, so there's so much more to do. But um, so far, so far, so good. We've we've been welcomed mostly. Like, uh, so, yeah. That's fantastic. That's awesome. And I was thinking actually about the the recent World Cup and some of the media coverage there, and even Steve Hansen towards the end, and the vulnerability he showed as a coach. And I th- I wondered, you know, in the back of my head, do you think the Head First campaign contributed to some of the narratives around that campaign? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to know. I mean, you'd like to think that we've been able to sort of embed a conversation, or we've had to be uh, embed. Um, normalising the conversation about talking about how we're feeling. We do a lot around vulnerability um, with players and that group as well about that it's okay to be vulnerable. Um, and it is, it's a really tough dichotomy, I suppose, in terms of you know, the, the players are asked to be incredibly um, invulnerable, dominant, aggressive, um, hard on the field and in training. And then we're sort of coming in and saying, actually, then off it, can you, can you be vulnerable talk about your feelings, ask other people how they're going, etc. So it's this really weird um, kind of mix. But because people have been generally well, you know, very receptive to it, I think it has been easier. The, the other thing that I think has worked in our favour is a few of the All Blacks have been part of what we're doing anyway. So um, so Richie Moanga, for example, Joe Moody, um, they've been part of a panel that we've taken to schools to talk about mental well-being, Angus Tarvel and... And Dane Coles and Kieran Reid have spoken um, publicly and, and in the media about um, well-being. Adi Savir and um, TJ Perinara, they've got podcasts, and that's a big thing for them, well-being. Same as Sonny Bill Williams. So I think there's a few more who, they're actually really passionate about this. So it was really awesome to see when you kind of sit back in the lounge after a not-so-awesome um, result for for us and, and see that vulnerability and then talking about actually this is important and it's okay and we're all going to support each other and we don't have to have that hard as nails, that, um, that front up that we often have seen in rugby. So, so that was really, really awesome. But it's also, yeah, I mean, like I say, a lot of the players now are really passionate about wellbeing and they feel, I think, in this year that they've got a voice and they know you're just starting to work out how they can use that voice in different social issues. And for me, wellbeing is one of those issues that they're really, really passionate about. That's amazing. And I think, yeah, as you say, those role models make such a difference. And as you were talking, I was thinking that is one thing we often see come through in organisations is, you know, how we shift those attitudes around mental health in those environments that are typically, you know, they're hard. You know, it's hard to get those conversations around being vulnerable and around emotions. So were there critical factors, you know, reflecting back that, that made a difference? Um, a difference to sorry, just so those those conversations, people feeling more confident and, and being and more open. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's something crucial, you know, that really stands out. I just think that just started to happen a little bit organically when we almost they almost felt like they had permission to do it um, in a sense. And I think once a few people start doing it, and a few leaders in the team start doing it, um, the younger ones coming through kind of go, okay, that's okay, because part of, I guess part of what we're trying to do in Head First is create environments, whether it's in rugby or in society, where it's it's okay to not be okay, it's okay to ask for help, and it's okay to provide help. And if we can do that, which I hope we've been able to do a little bit over the last couple of years, then we actually start to see slowly a cultural shift in, in rugby, which is really encouraging. And the other thing we're sort of doing is when we're going up to community clubs, we're also ensuring that they've got some resources and 
numbers to call, et cetera, like that. So again, I think it's just a whole lot of just normalizing this thing. The other thing we try to do is try to move away from some of the clinical language um, and in particular some of the deficit language and sort of change the narrative a little bit. So we talk a lot about mental fitness and it just sort of resonates a little bit more with the players uh, in particular and they can sort of see that, yeah, okay, looking after my mental fitness, looking after my physical fitness, yeah, I get it, you know. Um, and it, it doesn't carry in, in our experience quite as much of that stigma. Um, it's a little, potentially a little bit less confronting as well. So I think that has helped us soften the approach a little bit, which has been which has been awesome. So I think yeah, a couple of those things have, have just helped us embed it a little bit, yeah. And so I was keen to understand that a moment to, against silence campaign. What's behind that and, and what's the, the goals? Yeah, so that launched, so we, we did that in um, September and it was um, early September to sort of align with um, World Suicide Prevention Day. We partnered, one of our partners, actually, our, and our funding partner, which we mentioned is, uh, is the Movember Foundation, um, who have come on board, which has been uh, amazing. It was actually their, it was almost their, their idea as well. Um, and we were kind of lucky enough to, well, lucky enough, we were just able to provide the vehicle for, the, for that, that messaging and, and partner with them. And the idea behind that was to really kind of challenge the notion that, which is very male um, stereotype, that you know we bottle things up and we're not need to talk about this and we can be quite stoic. Um, and quite a few of our campaigns have actually been around, um, it's okay to talk to your mates and it's okay to open up and actually the silence in some ways is kind of really hurting us. And so we really wanted to sort of challenge people and provide a little bit of a... Um, so that would really th- make people think about that. And so the moment against silence was really a moment that we could create at an international test match, which, again, I think is so amazing that we've um, – and I'm really proud that Raby were able to do that to stop before a test match and actually have 20,000 people just cheer and go absolutely crazy um, for a minute to not only raise awareness but then get the message that we don't have to be silent on this issue um, and there are places to go and that kind of thing. So we really just wanted to have a massive campaign, use our, our, our reach, I suppose, and get some of those messages across about reaching out to each other, asking how everyone is um, and how to have that conversation. So it was just a, a great way to link it into uh, to the week that, that was still a cyber prevention week as well. Yeah, amazing. And I can just imagine that roar of 20,000 people must have been pretty surreal unbelievable and you see it and you get you do you get kind of goosebumps a little bit because so much work went behind the scenes to kind of get this sort of thing over the line and to get that coverage and um sky played it you know played most of it live as well and you kind of just go that was wicked you know so yeah we're really stoked about do that and the part of it is just making sure we keep that momentum up as well and every year we do um a super rugby round so in Super Rugby, we, we theme around sort of the mental well-being or mental fitness round where we, we use that as a platform to talk about well-being and mental health and mental fitness and all those sorts of things as well. And, and last year was one about checking in with your mates. And we did something sort of similar but not quite where we, we got rugby players to ask each other how they're going and just recorded those very awkward conversations and then just sort of gave some of the strategies about how to do that. So we'll try and do that something, something like that every year to tie in to rugby yeah awesome and uh, that's amazing to hear because I, I know that's one thing organizations talk about is they they do all this array uh, awareness raising 
and then they find there's this momentum but what they haven't necessarily accounted for is that what next you know where do people go for help or what does that conversation look like and so is that your experience yeah 100 percent. and i guess that's what we're really conscious of um in the space i think that's why you know partnering with um, places like mental health foundation have been so good as well because whilst we have expertise in-house you know we, we're not the experts and nor, nor should we be really um so to partner with with others who can provide that support and and validation about where we're going with some of the stuff has been really important but one thing that we are always conscious of is leaving people with some meaningful strategies or actions um and whether that's when we're doing a workshop and we are really clear about strategies you know tips for maintaining well-being or ways to have a conversation with a loved one or who isn't doing so well or where the help is you know what's 1737 what happens actually when you when you get to 1737 and those sorts of things so uh, it's been really really important and that's why i suppose with the website we can point everyone back if we run a campaign we can at least point people back to the website where there's a sort of a get help now button as well uh, and there's really clear places where people can go or if they want to have a conversation but don't know how, then it's, again, it's got a, almost a bullet point about what questions you can ask or where you, when you go to your GP, what you might have to say, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really important that we, for us, you know, we just don't leave people hanging, I suppose, and run this whiz-bang thing, but there's no substance to it. So, yeah, so that's, that's a really important thing for us, for sure. So it sounds like that side of it and also the leadership and the role models has been the other critical factor. Yeah, the role models, it's really hard to sort of um, overstate the impact of the role models. It's, we, and we are incredibly lucky, and that's, I, I guess, how we can, we've been able to get so much cut through is because as soon as you, you put a, an all-black or a former all-black or super player up in the lights, then media generally want to talk it to them, and then suddenly you've, you've opened doors to a conversation that becomes national. And they have been amazing. I mean, we've, we've been... Um, a little bit picky, I suppose, because we want people to be in this area for the right reasons. They don't have to have had lived experience um, of a, a mental illness or mental distress, for example, but uh, some of them might just be really passionate about uh, their own well-being journey and, and others, you know, if we've got players who are really uh, high users of mindfulness and gratitude, for example, and so we'll, we'll ask them if they were interested to share their story about how it supports their own well-being. And to have that in both the men's and the women's space and in the men's space, like I've mentioned with um, Nehi and Kevin and a few others, um, Ardi and and the likes, and then to have someone like Ruby Tui, who's a Blackfern Sevens player, um, and it's just amazing. She does, um, if you follow her on Instagram, she does Mental Health Mondays um, on Insta with things that she does to look after her well-being and that kind of thing. So they have just been so powerful and to take them to take someone like a Nihi Miliskara or, or a, a Kiri Mialamu, we take them to schools and rugby clubs, and it just really changes the conversation. They just go and sit on the tables with the players, with the coaches, or the parents, and and talk a little bit with them through their journey and some of the strategies they use, etc. And then myself and Susie, who's our uh, project manager here, will cover you know some I guess more the theory or the the other parts of it. So. To have people like that stand up and sort of say it's okay to not be okay, you can just almost, again, see the shoulders like relax for other people and kind of go, wow, man, you, I held you up here and you're going through the same thing I'm going through. is is really cool and really powerful. And um, I, just, I just think we've been yeah, incredibly lucky to have those people who role model vulnerability, role model help-seeking. You know, our players will stand up and say that they've 
um, receiving or have received professional help and what that has meant for them and the weight that's lifted off their shoulders. Uh, and again, so it's just helping to reduce that stigma, normalise it um, and contribute to that conversation. So, yeah, I feel very blessed that we've got them to help us out. That's, sure. am- that's amazing. And for organisations who are thinking, okay, role models sounds like a good idea for me in terms of even picking leaders within organisations, did you provide training for your role models? Did they yeah, go through yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we, we um, provide training for them and, and make sure where they are in their own journey as well to make sure it's a really safe um, space for them and understand what their triggers might be. Um, and the, the reality is, is when they start talking about this, they, they also get disclosures from others, right? And um, so it's important that we take them through a process about how they respond, relate and refer to those, um, refer on for those sorts of disclosures as well, like just get them in a space where they're really comfortable and again, aren't the experts, but they have a story. And that's kind of how we have decided to to, to use them. Um, and we always have either myself or um, Susie, who is our, as I said, our project manager, will always present alongside them as well if we're taking and going to schools or clubs. So, yeah, absolutely important to have them upskilled. And then, so tell me, what's ahead for, for 2020? Yeah, well, um, hopefully big things. We've... Um, with a partnership with Movember, um, we're really lucky that they've got, got some funding there where we can really scale the program. So this year, 2019, this year, we managed to get out to sort of about 20, 25 clubs and schools, etc., to run sort of, and we sort of piloted the workshops uh, and see how they went. So next year, we'd be looking at having um, trained facilitators from rugby in, um, in a few regions around the country and really look to, to get out to us as many as, as we can in those clubs and schools. And we've got, we've got over 500 community rugby clubs around the country. And we would love to be able to oversee, you know, a, a five-year period, like try to get to 80% of those would be amazing. Um, we'll see how we go with that. But also, again, it's for us, it's, it's about not just getting in and getting out. We want to have a relationship with those clubs. Um, so they have, like, like you guys, you know, it's got some wellbeing champions train a small cohort up, for example, so they can continue um, that support and that culture within the club um, that we look after each other around the space uh, and we know what to do. So that would be the ideal is, is scaling up those uh, workshops, training up lots more people, um, getting some more um, ambassadors on board. We'd love to do more in the, uh, the women's space as well. Um, and that would be uh, a really important space for us to be able to continue um, the work in. Um, so yeah, and that's again seen um, having those ambassadors look at what people like Nikki and Kevin have been able to achieve, or the interest that they've had, and uh, get those other, get others on board as well. So those are big things we're looking at launching an e-learning site next year as well. Um, so people can again just use that as some learning or some literacy around well-being and have our tips. They have some videos from players, etc., and run people through a short e-learning um, module or two would be one of the things we're looking at as well. So, And just looking at other partnerships um, around the traps. So, yeah, there'll be a, another busy year, no doubt. Thanks again for listening today. It's been great to have you along. If you're keen to join the Wellness Champions Network, head along to myhealthrevolution.co.nz and follow the links to subscribe. If you're in the network, thanks again and we look forward to catching up with you really soon.